0: Two three W-R-F-I. test test
1: the WRFI Community Radio News is made possible by listeners like you. Help us tell important stories about your community. Head to WRFI.org slash donate. eleventh, twenty twenty. I'm Michaela Savott. Here's tonight's news for Ithaca and Watkins Glen. It was revealed at a press conference held today by New York Governor Andrew Cuomo that household and social gatherings account for nearly 74% of COVID-19 transmissions. The state's date doesn't even account for the number of cases that have grown exponentially since the holidays. For two months, 46,000 cases were studied beginning at the start of September. According to the Ithaca Voice, Cuomo reports that over 200,000 cases were not able to be traced back to a source. The second highest rate of transmission was among healthcare care delivery. However, it was not a close second. The transmission rate was only 7.8%. Transmission among the cases linked back to higher education students was around 2%, then education employees at 1.5%, followed by restaurants and bars at about 1.4%. Meanwhile, travel and vacation, sports, and jobs in the public sector come in at around 1% transmission rate among the sampled cases. The remaining activities were all found to account for less than 1% of cases during the two-month period. A full list can be viewed in our daily COVID-19 update, at wrfi.org slash coronavirus. That's wrfi.org slash coronavirus.
0: DeWitt Middle School, Northeast Elementary School, and South Hill Elementary School conducted all teaching virtually today after school community members tested positive for COVID-19. According to the Ithaca Voice, one student each at South Hill and DeWitt tested positive as did a Northeast Staff Dr. Lavelle Brown says that quarantining is not needed at this point unless individuals are contacted by the Tompkins County Health Department or have been in close contact with any person who tested positive. The Ithaca City School District plans on letting families know if distance learning will be required at the three schools next week, based on advice from the Health Department. And, as reported earlier this week, Boynton Middle School will be offering remote-only learning to its students until Tuesday, December 15th. One of the two persons who tested positive this week had numerous contacts at the school because Boynton's Boynton's Middle's hybrid learning schedule includes a fully remote schedule on Wednesdays. In-person learning will resume on Thursday, December 17th.
1: Now looking at the local COVID-19 caseload, the latest numbers as of the time of this broadcast were released yesterday from the County Health Department. In Tompkins, there are 27 additional positives, 13 new recoveries, and 9 hospitalizations. According to the Tompkins County Health Department, that leaves 305 active cases of COVID-19 in Tompkins. Over in Schuyler County, there are two new cases of COVID-19 reported as of today, leaving 31 active cases, according to their to health department. Three people remain hospitalized due to the virus.
0: The City of Ithaca Common Council met last week with an agenda that included public feedback on plans for a 5G cell tower and an update on city finances, according to the Ithaca Voice. Some residents urged the Common Council to consider the health impact of a 5G tower. City of Ithaca attorney Ari Levine assured constituents that the city is taking public safety and health into account. In addition, the city controller, Steve Thayer, said the city's losses in income due to the pandemic include over $2 million in lost revenue from sales taxes, over a million dollar over a million dollars in lost revenue from parking fees, and about $70,000 lost from fewer trash tags being purchased. The Common Council voted to refinance its bonds to save the city at least $300,000. Finally, the Common Council's discussion about allowing dogs on the commons was tabled to January. This is to allow the Planning Board to clarify waste pickup and fine rules.
1: An online version of the annual Ithaca Alternative Gift Fair kicks off tomorrow. As an alternative to giving material gifts, the fair provides opportunities to honor friends and family by giving to local community organizations. Listeners can learn more at IthacaAltGiftFair.org. That's IthacaAltGiftFair.org. And another holiday news of the Finger Lakes region, today's the last day to cast a vote for the It's a Wonderful Life Festival holiday decorating contest in Seneca Falls. Several popular events have been canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic, and the organizers of the It's a Wonderful Life Festival are keeping the spirit of Frank Capra's holiday classic alive this year. The film's fictional town of Bedford Falls is believed to be Seneca Falls, a town Frank Capra visited. Rather than being in person, the festival committee is holding the gingerbread house and holiday lights contests online, reports the Finger Lakes Times. Town residents were invited to decorate their lawns and houses to enter a contest, and 38 Seneca Falls residents chose to participate, and people are welcome to drive by and cast their votes in various categories, or they can view the houses online and vote there as well. Listeners may email wmp at rochester.rr.com or call 315-568-9364 for more information. That's the email wmp at rochester.rr.com or the phone number 315-568-9364.
0: Yesterday, a U.S. government vaccine advisory committee said that the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine should be given the green light, reports the Times Union. This recommendation allows the Food and Drug Administration, or the FDA, to authorize the new vaccine for emergency use, and that the first batch of 170,000 vaccines could arrive in New York as early as this weekend. Governor Andrew Cuomo said a New York independent panel would also need to review and approve any FDA-approved vaccine before it's administered in New York. The New York panel has already started reviewing the Pfizer vaccine in parallel with the FDA's review and plans to convene as soon as the FDA authorizes the vaccine. Governor Cuomo believes the New York review panel will increase the public's confidence in the vaccine's safety and efficacy, The Pfizer vaccines are said to be 90% effective. The first vaccines in New York would be earmarked for those who live and work in nursing homes and for healthcare workers on the front line.
1: In related news, vaccination efforts to stop the spread of smallpox, cholera, polio, and measles could offer insight into how the distribution of the coronavirus vaccines could play out. That's according to a report by City and State New York. The cholera vaccine highlights how long it can take to perfect a vaccine. Beginning in the 19th century, cholera caused mass death in New York City, but it took decades to create a vaccine capable of getting the disease under control. In the 1990s, the cholera vaccine was combined with other childhood shots into a single dose, which gave a huge boost to vaccination efforts. The measles vaccine highlights the vulnerability of herd immunity. Vaccinations for measles began in the 1960s, and by the turn of the century, measles was eliminated in the United States. Yet, controversial safety concerns about the vaccination led to a resurgence in the disease. New York implemented requirements to keep the vaccination rates at 90 to 95 percent, which is the threshold to maintain herd immunity. The polio vaccine shows how safety concerns can impact the public health effort despite its success. In 1955, at least 250 children got infected with a live virus. And a man in Syracuse won a lucrative settlement after a Pfizer vaccine left him crippled. Criticisms and safety concerns continued for decades. The smallpox vaccine shows how total victory is a possibility. It was a disease with a 30% death rate, Brought by Europeans to foreign lands, it ravaged indigenous civilizations in the Americas and across the globe. Thanks to vaccination efforts, there have been no new smallpox cases since 1978, and it's the only fully eradicated infectious disease.
0: In state government news, this week, New York State Republicans urged Governor Cuomo to postpone New York State scheduled minimum wage increase, Newsday reports. The minimum wage increase is scheduled to be phased in over six years. Hourly wages are scheduled to increase at varying amounts across the state on December 31st. Senate Republic, Republican leader Rob, Rob Ortz argued the wage increase could be the, quote, final straw, end quote, during the pandemic and for small business owners to choose between laying off workers or closing shops. E.J. McMahon of the Empire Center for Public Policy think tank cited the rising unemployment and sluggish commerce caused by the pandemic. Labor Department, de- Labor Department statistics show the state unemployment rate has risen from 3.9% before the pandemic to 9.65% in October. Governor Cuomo has called for billions of federal dollars in coronavirus stimulus funding to prevent a recession the lack of aid hurts small that are barely hanging on.
1: A poll says more than three in four Republicans believe voter fraud is widespread and GOP lawmakers are focusing on limiting vote-by-mail. Biden urges civil rights leaders to not push defund the police until after the Georgia Senate election. More on the latest U.S. election news, courtesy of our friends at Pacific Network and the Public News Service.
2: Welcome to 2020 Talks, where we track the 2020 elections in uncharted territory. Quinnipiac's latest poll reports 77% of the Republicans who responded believe the 2020 presidential election had widespread fraud.
0: That's a huge number, especially Republicans, who believe the democracy has been shaken to the core by an illegitimate election.
2: Poll analyst Tim Malloy says the country has been deeply divided for the last several years. 97% of Democratic respondents think the election was fair. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. The Supreme Court continues receiving election challenges. The attorneys general of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, and Wisconsin yesterday asked justices to reject a Texas lawsuit trying to block those states from voting in the Electoral College on December 14th. The long-shot litigation charges widespread voter fraud from mail-in ballots, despite all the previous legal challenges that failed for lack of evidence. Ohio's Republican attorney general filed his own brief against the Texas suit yesterday. Seventeen states that voted Republican, along with President Donald Trump, support Texas's position. Meanwhile, Republican politicians in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Texas are trying to limit future vote-by-mail ballots. Georgia state senators want to eliminate all drop boxes, no excuse absentee voting, and scrap an agreement that allows voters to fix any signature problems quickly, in addition to requiring a photo ID to obtain ballots. While the GOP is suing to curb the use of Georgia's drop boxes for the January U.S. Senate runoff elections, Democrats are debating how best to campaign.
0: If you believe, as I do, that we should be able to reform the criminal justice system so that it's not biased and treats everybody fairly. I guess you can use a snappy slogan like defund the police, but you've lost a big audience the minute you say it.
2: President-elect Joe Biden echoed Barack Obama's Snapchat interview in a private meeting with civil rights leaders yesterday, according to The Intercept, warning that Republicans would try to distort Democrats' position on police reform to win the Georgia Senate runoff's. In addition to other forms of voter suppression, the sentencing project's Nicole D. Porter says encounters with the police in the Peach State over things like minor traffic violations sometimes result in drug arrests, such as for marijuana. This can lead to felony convictions.
0: The over-policing of Black communities has a very direct impact of disqualifying Black residents from the electorate.
2: In Georgia, there are close to 200,000 people who have felony probation sentences. This is an alternative to being in prison, where people can live in the community. But still, Porter explains, you can't vote.
0: A substantial number of residents in the community are disenfranchised from voting.
2: Biden announced Susan Rice, Obama's National Security Advisor, as director of his Domestic Policy Council, and nominated Dennis McDonough, Obama's Chief of Staff, for Secretary of Veterans Affairs. From Pacifica Network and Public News Service, I'm Laura ross Thanks for listening.
1: And that concludes our headline news for tonight. Coming up, we are joined live via telephone by Tracy Matrano, Democratic challenger to incumbent Congressman Tom Reed, who won the election in November. Matrano will speak about the campaign trail, what voters told her, uh, what voters' c- concerns were, and her plans going forward. That's after the break here on WRFI. Stay with us. I don't know. W.R.F.I. Community Radio News. I'm Michaela Savitt. And now we are joined live via telephone by Tracy Metrano, the Democratic challenger to incumbent congressman Tom Reed. This November, Reed secured another term, and tonight we're going to hear from Mitrano about her campaign and thoughts on what's next for her and her hopes for the district going forward. So welcome back to WRFI, Tracy. Thanks, Michaela. Getting right into it, now that we're well past the 2020 election, uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you about what you learned from over the past six months of extensive campaigning from Ithaca to Jamestown on Lake Erie, and especially in the time of COVID.
3: Oh, my goodness, it wasn't six months. It was three and a half years.
1: Uh, (laughs) Right, since your last run in
3: 2018. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And um, Quick review, I predicted we couldn't beat him in 18. I did uh, hope that we could in 2020. Uh, I uh, banked my hopes on a couple of things, uh, mainly that the country would reject Trump and it would turn back Uh, to a Democratic administration, and that there would be coattails not unlike what this district in a previous configuration did in 2008 when Obama was elected, and with the uh, presidential coattails, uh, elect a uh, congressperson from the Democratic Party. Um, I was right about Part A, but Part B uh, was a surprise. Uh, We did not anticipate the a very large number of Republicans who came out to vote uh, for Trump in this district. And so even though the country did secure the Biden win, this district voted similarly to how it voted in 2018, and that is giving Trump a 15-point edge. I lost by 16 points. Uh, which was exactly the uh, percentage that the Democrat lost in
1: 2016 in the last presidential election. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in talking about both 2018 and 2020, like you were saying, you, bo- you ran in both those years. Um, so what were the one or two top voter concerns across the over 700,000 people in the 23rd Congressional District?
3: an interesting divide because if you're not in the midst of a campaign that is uh, superseded by everything, by constant polling that we've all seen is very inaccurate, and I could talk about that for a long time separately, um, when you have the kind of partisan rhetoric that we've had here, and when you have the tactics that the Republicans have been using and redefinitely definitely used against me. And that is to not talk about the issues at all. And I really mean that. Two debates, uh, many mailers, many commercials. The issues that people talked with me about before you get into the last six or eight weeks of the campaign are on an entirely different plane than the issues that became those that drove votes uh, in the last six or eight weeks. So, prior, it's the same thing that I've talked about for a long time, and it won't surprise anybody. Uh, affordable health care, uh, improvements in education, right, from universal pre-K up to addressing student debt in higher education and everything in between. Uh, certainly infrastructure with emphasis in this district on uh, the lack of Internet. Uh, and environmental concerns, when you put that all together in a plan, then you have the foundation for economic rejuvenation, which I know people in Ithaca don't feel acutely, but uh, apart from Ithaca and Corning, is uh, very much needed uh, for the rest of the district. And uh, that is what people talk about, whether they're Republican or Democrat. Certainly 97% of this district is uh, for agriculture, and so there's a the whole uh, depth of what could and should be talked about there. And I did, in great uh, detail, do that over the course of the last three years or so. But my point is that at some time around September, those issues fade away, and they fade away with the million dollars or so that uh, Tom Green threw into commercials, erroneously uh, depicting me as wanting to. Defund police, and uh, many of these commercials. By the way, you didn't see in Ithaca because he did not uh, use the Syracuse media market. He focused on uh, Buffalo, Rochester, Binghamton, and the Elmira recording market. Mm-hmm. So I bet uh, you didn't have a chance to see me depicted looking like I don't know El Chapo or uh, a, 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 you know an obscene Halloween kind of character and uh, ludicrous, uh, hideous depictions of me and claims about me and my campaign, who my staff were, that total lies, and I do mean total lies. Uh, so uh, that completely changes the complexion and nature of the campaign mm-hmm. in those last few weeks. So combined with the discipline that um, the Republican Party has in bringing out votes, they, they really did themselves, mm-hmm. I must say. in in bringing up the number of votes that they did. Mm -hmm. More people ultimately voted for me, the Democratic candidate, in 2020 than voted in 2018, but it was uh, 18, uh, I'm sorry, 16 points short Mm -hmm. of competing with the number of uh, people who came in and voted Republican, and often pretty much right down the party ticket. Um, This is a national phenomenon, by the way. Yeah, and and so uh, go ahead. I'll leave it there, in the chat. another well, question. I, I it, it was a national phenomenon. It wasn't unusual here for this
1: congressional race. Right, right. There was a there was a very big narrative around the number, both the number of people that turned out, and you know, the still like we were hearing earlier in our in our show, still the um, the mass um, doubt in mail-in ballots and voter fraud and everything. Uh, that tied back to that, but I do want to come back to the voter concerns because, um, Mm -hmm. you know, my last question here for you before we wrap up is, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, affordable health care and, you know, agriculture here in the 23rd district, which does include Tompkins and Schuyler counties and various other counties. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, in, in, a minute and a half. What would you say, like legislatively, you would hope would be accomplished um, going going into the future to address those aspects?
3: Well, we we need COVID relief right now, and woe to those uh, Republican senators who are tanking uh, the effort that has been put together. And woe to the Trump administration in Mnuchin, who has come in with you know now a third proposal that is designed just to confuse people because Trump wants on his way out the door to send another $600 or something and a note with his name on it. Uh, people desperately need help. Now, what's interesting uh, from a policy perspective is if you look at what the COVID relief Uh, say, the HEROES Act that the Democrats passed uh, several weeks ago now. You know, a lot of it covers a lot of what's needed. uh, Whether we had COVID or not, COVID has just brought these issues out into both relief. So obviously, public health, we need money for our schools, we need money for infrastructure, we need to take care of housing and food insecurity, which has become profound in this district as well as in this country. And then we should be helping our small businesses, and uh, stimulating our more local economy. Simultaneously, there are now lawsuits against the Internet companies, and I welcome them. I've called for them uh, long before I was even in politics. So if we could somehow get our shoulder to the wheel of the essence of what this COVID legislation is about, I think we could jumpstart the needs that people in this district and around this country have for all of those basic concerns, healthcare, education, infrastructure, Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, more fairness with uh, consumer rights when it comes to use of the Internet.
1: Mm -hmm. One last question for you, and we have just about 30 seconds uh, left in our time today. Um, Will you consider another run for office, and are there any last (laughs) words you'd like to share with our listeners? Well,
3: it was a privilege. It was a privilege to represent people's concerns. I uh, I am sorry that I failed. I wish that we could have prevailed. Um, I I promised that I would run twice if I won the primary in 18, and I kept my promise. I also promised that I would not run again, and I'm going to keep my promise there. Um, Happily, uh, I will be teaching over in the Department of Information Science this coming spring, and I'm very much looking forward to doing that. I do hope and expect to help in any way that I can, the people in this district, but it will not be uh, for or in elected office, it might be worth remembering, I live in Yates County, not in Mm -hmm. Tompkins County, Mm -hmm. so while Tompkins can support Democrats, uh, such as Anna, to go on to the Assembly and so forth, um, Yates County simply is not in an electoral posture to vote for a Democrat, so it, it, it would be foolhardy for me to even try. But I, th- I think I could be more useful in other ways, and I look forward to pursuing those ways. Um, I spoke, for example, with the Democratic leaders throughout the district just on Monday of this week offering a pathway as to how to think about things going forward, although we wait for redistricting to know mm-hmm. uh, how we're all going to be situated.
1: Well, Tracy Matrano, 2018 and 2020 Democratic challenger to 23rd uh, District Congressman Tom Reed. Thank you so much for being with us uh, today, and hope you stay healthy in the rest of this season.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Michaela, all of you, too. And again, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to people and to serve as a candidate in these two elections.
1: And the headlines at the top of our program were written by WRFI contributors Susan Fortson and Pamela Tan. Feature producers were WRFI contributor Fred Balfour. Christian Maytree was my co-anchor, and I'm Michaela Savitt, news director for WRFI and executive producer for our program. Back Monday night and every weekday evening at 6 with more of the stories impacting our communities. Take care, be well, and have a good evening.
3: Two, three. W. R. F. I.